You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It's kind of warming up out there. Uh, We've seen some nicer weather here in the St. Louis area. I know some of our friends to the north are still seeing some snow. Uh, Some of our friends to the south are seeing a little bit warmer weather as well. And warmer weather makes us think about maybe uh, planting something for the year. Maybe you're thinking Mm -hmm. about a vegetable garden or a flower garden. How do you prepare for that and why even garden? We're going to chat about that today with some of our friends who have served with the Agricultural Consultancy in East Africa. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. We have a whole panel of guests today, uh, experts uh, bringing all kinds of wonderful perspectives to the subject. We have Delano and Linda Meyer, who have uh, served as uh, served with LCMS International Mission and volunteers with the Agricultural Consultancy in East Africa. Delano and Linda, thanks so much for joining us today. You're most welcome. Thank you. And Dr. Jacques Bremen, he's a volunteer with LCMS International Mission in the Agricultural Consultancy in East Africa. Dr. Bremen, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And Gwen Zagor, I think the newest volunteer with the Agricultural Consultancy. Gwen, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Thank you so much. So I would love to hear why each of you are involved in gardening. Let's start with the Myers. How did you get involved in gardening? What's your background? I helped my mom with gardening when I was young, and I really enjoyed uh, watching plants grow my whole life. So uh, I think the reason for my gardening uh, when we were young farmers uh, and had a family was so that we could have are good, healthy vegetables at a low cost. And it was something that uh, I had fun doing, even though it's a, it is work. Quinn, what about you? Sort of the same, uh, smaller scale. <laughs> My dad had a giant garden the whole time I was growing up. Uh, we always had fresh vegetables coming in, tomatoes to can, green beans, etc. And I have always enjoyed it. And uh, Kind of the same idea. We had uh, four kids and we lived in a parsonage and it was a great way to have uh, nice fresh produce without having to go to the store to to buy not so fresh produce. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Jacques, what about you? Well, is that Sarah, Sarah uh, I might have a little different spin. It's um, For me, it's a connecting back to Genesis 2. You know, I, I think back, you know, how it was in the beginning, you know, God put Adam in the garden to tend it and i sort of connect back and that's where i do my uh quiet time meditating and it's therapy for me and i enjoy you know working in the soil and watching the plants grow and and we can add all those other benefits but from from a christian point of view it connects me back to the beginning and you know that our food does come from um you know a higher being than just uh than what we normally think in in our agricultural colleges we do rely on the light we do rely on the Lord, you know, just we live between fire and ice. The earth is so perfectly planted in the solar system, um, the seasons and, and, and everything bearing fruit. It was a fantastic design. So for me, it's a very spiritual, you know, as, as well as providing for my family event. 
So this is a time of year when people are maybe have already been thinking about gardening. Uh, we're thinking about starting a garden, which may or may not happen this year. I know Andy has his gardening that that he does every year. So especially for the newbie people out there like myself, what goes into establishing a gardening plan? Uh, let's start with Jacques. Well, a gardening plan, um, what how, for a newbie, okay? Um what do you eat the most of, and, and when do you want to have that produce coming in? And for let's take an example. Do you eat a lot of herbs, mm-hmm. fresh herbs? Do you eat very expensive organic type of herbs? Well, you can grow those things yourself, and you can pace, you know, and plan when those herbs will be coming off, either through container planting or you know seeding or transplanting. Um, and then the same thing with providing for your family. What do you eat the most of? What's very expensive in the store that you could grow yourself and know what kind of pesticides went on there or not? You know, uh, how, how, what kind of nutrients went on there? And you can harvest them at their peak of freshness in late afternoon with the highest sugars um, and just rinse them off and eat them. Um, I hope that addresses your question. May I add a little something to Jacques' comment? Yes. <laughs> Um, having a very tiny yard um, in a suburban area of St. Louis, um, there is a, a method that I used actually uh, it, up when I lived in Michigan. There's a book called Square Foot Gardening. The author's name is Mel Bartholomew. This is a strange way to garden if you have a lot of property like Delano and Linda and you're used to planting things in big, long rows with a lot of room between them. Um you lay out your garden in square feet. And for instance, you'd put one tomato in each square foot, two cucumber plants, four chives, and one pepper plant. For example, in each of those squares, the amount of produce you can get from this square foot, it will blow your mind. (laughs) Um, Phenomenal, I agree with you. I I applaud that method, yes. Mm Yes, as uh, Gwen said, uh, we have a little more space because we're living in a house out in the country and we have a good-sized uh, garden for for uh, just the two of us now. It's not so big. And that's something to think about is uh, how much do you, in production do you want? It doesn't take a very long roll to just eat fresh vegetables. If you get carried away and you've got, and you plant a lot of seeds, you'll, you'll be thinking about canning and freezing your vegetables. So that's one thing in the planning. And also I I think about, uh, I make a a garden map and that I refer to every year so that when I'm deciding where to plant things, uh, I, I rotate the vegetables and it helps prevent disease, keeps the uh, soil more fertile that way. So you should probably wait two or three years uh, between planting the same thing, you know, in that spot, especially tomatoes, potatoes and green pepper are all in the same family. So to, to keep them a little healthier, you find a new spot for them. 
So in terms of developing your plan for your garden, start with thinking about what it is that you want to, what you want to grow. What do you, if you're talking about exactly. a vegetable garden, what you want to eat the most. Um, so I'm going to, uh, in our garden, um, lots of peppers and tomatoes, some cucumbers mm -hmm. as well, and some pumpkins. Uh, I know that my friend Sarah likes squash. <laughs> so, um, much squash. <laughs> so much squash. So much squash. And broccoli. <laughs> and, and broccoli. Um, so, so be thinking about, and, and my, w when I start thinking about what I want to plant and I look through the seed catalog, um, I just get overwhelmed and, uh, I, I want to order all of the seeds in the catalog <laughs> and plant all of them. Right. Um, any tips for <laughs> narrowing it down? Uh, Gwen, do you have any tips yeah. for narrowing it down? <laughs> well, it, it goes back to what you will eat the most. Um, tomatoes, I, my my friends might have another uh, thought of this. I've had a hard time getting tomatoes from seed. I usually end up going to a gardening center and getting tomato plants. You just get them more quickly that way. Um, again, you know what what is it that you like the most? And then you can pick one packet of cucumbers or one packet of chives, and it's going to be enough for us for your family. Um, the one thing about square foot gardening and also uh, we're going to address, I think, starting seeds indoors, when you put them in little peat pots and start them inside under the light, um, you only put a few seeds in there so you don't end up pulling a whole bunch out and thinning them and throwing them away. So that way your little packet of seeds that you've chosen out of the gazillions that are there to choose from lasts you for quite a long time. Um, the sugar snap peas are one of my absolute favorite things to eat. I actually just put some in the soil this past week because they like cold weather. And um, I still have a sugar snap pea packet from last year, and I'm expecting that it will grow. That's not always the best thing. You should get fresh new seeds. But a sugar snap pea packet will make a lot of vines and a lot of peas for your family to eat. <laughs> Linda, anything to add to that? Well, when, and actually plan, planning uh, where you're going to plant it, uh, you need to make sure you've got uh, the right conditions, uh, whether you have a place that's in full sun, that's the best and well-drained. If you, uh, have to start in your first year and, and you've just got lawn grass and you're going to uh, have to get, get it, uh, the soil worked up and uh, kill the grass. Now, I don't know if we're getting into a, another subject here, but Delano can tell you how we did it with ours when we moved to this place. Do you want to move on to that? Can I interject just something on planting the, the garden? Sure, yeah, and then, and then we'll get into the soil. <laughs> and then we can get in the soil and we'll wrap it up. Okay, um, my background, 32 years at the University of Florida, we did a lot of this training with um, homeowners. And we had a, an extension publication. Every state in the U.S. and its territories has a land-grant institution with an extension service that has the planting guides for gardens and, and it goes by calendar dates and it has an estimated yield per hundred foot a row. 
um, for some of the older ones, and they have generally have some estimated yields. So you can plan and not like, um, you know, like, like Gwen and Linda were saying, so you're not just covered over with a certain, you know, covered over with vegetables and have to freeze and can and desperately to catch up, you know. So you can stagger what, you, what your produce comes in and on your square foot method, too. Um, that'll help, you know, bring in the produce that you want at, at, a, at a pace you can handle. <laughs> Does that help a little bit? You yes, yes. The extension service is a really valuable resource for people who are not familiar with plants, the diseases they might get, what conditions they need. Right. Jack brought that up. Your your extension service is an awesome resource. Right. A resource, for, for example, there's a resource here in Minnesota. It's a Gardening Minnesota, month by month, written by Melinda Myers, no relation to Linda and Delano. <laughs> Cool Springs Press, and it relies heavily on the Arboretum at U, U of University of Minnesota and also the Extension offices. And it that's just one example, and there's one in every state. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to take a quick pause, and when we come back from that, we'll talk more about choosing the site and preparing soil for your garden as you're planning for this year. And uh, we have more to talk about with our friends, many who have served with the Agricultural Consultancy in East Africa. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking with our friends who are uh, who have been volunteers with the Agricultural Consultancy in East Africa and LCMS International Mission. Delano and Linda Myers, Dr. Jacques Bremen, and Gwen Zagor, who have all served in uh, and, and are also all uh, avid gardeners as well. Uh, let's go back to Delano. We were talking about choosing a site and preparing the soil. And uh, Delano, would you share with us your tips on that, that choosing the site and preparing the soil for your garden for this year? Okay. Uh, when Linda and I moved to this farm site, there was no garden. So we chose a spot that had full sun that was solid lawn. Well, in our case, we asked the landlord to come and plow over the sod, which he did. And then I worked a, a full year to get that soil in shape. I kept trimming back the grass that wanted to grow, and then we covered it with a heavy mulch of hay. And then I worked that in the next spring early, and then after that, we started planting. So since then, since that start that way, we had added no fertilizer in, in many, many years. So that's how we chose. You know, another place on Linda's home farm, uh, they chose a spot that had been a chicken coop and, and the yard for the chickens. That soil was just abounding in fertility. So 
that would that that's kind of an important thing. That the history of where you're wanting to start and all of that is really a big thing. There's other ways of clearing the soil and getting the grasses stopped. And I think Jock or Gwen maybe want to talk on that. Yeah, Gwen, do you have uh, insight into preparing the the soil? Well, uh, yeah, the the insight I've got has to do with um, having um, suburban houses on really rotten soil. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, both up in Michigan and here, we've had rock and clay. Um, the most important thing you can do for your soil is to put organic matter into it. Um, Delano and Linda had, you know, she's talking about a chicken coop. They've got horse manure. Um, those of us in the suburbs often don't have that. Um, I have a small compost bin that my HOA approves, and you put the all of your garden, your vegetable scraps from cooking, no proteins, nothing, nothing like cheese or anything, all your garden scraps in the compost and let it cook. And mine happens to have two sides, a side you can add stuff to and a side that's full and it's cooking is the word. When that's all rotted and turns into soil, it is the greatest thing to put down in your bad soil. It adds all kinds of nutrients. Like Delano said, though, it took him a year to get his garden ready to use. So an alternative to that, of course, is a raised garden, which I've had to do a lot. You just build a box, you build a stone wall, however you can do it, and buy soil. It sounds ridiculous to somebody that's a farmer, <laughs> but um, you go out and you you buy the soil, and, you, and then you can keep adding that compost to it. Um, the most important thing you can do for your garden is organic matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking literally out in my backyard right now and thinking through how we might do this in our backyard because uh, like you, Gwen, we have, our soil is very, very clay. So thinking through how this process is going to work for us, we also have a compost bin that we fill quite quickly uh, with all of our veggie scraps and coffee grounds and things. Yeah. So yes, that is a very, very helpful thing to have. Uh, Jacques, do you have any more any more tips for preparing soil? Well, I, I think you and um, and Gwen pretty well covered that, uh, trying to amend and build up the soils in the home sites. Mm-hmm. So after you have the, the your, your site and your soil is prepped, what do you do next? <laughs> for a newbie who's never done this, Jacques? Okay, I, I had uh, some thoughts on selecting seed or live plants. I don't know if this is where we launch into it or... Sure, go ahead. Um, so we're sort of springing from your prepared soil. Um, so you've got organic matter and built it up. And then on most of your vegetables, you want a little startup fertilizer. Um, and if you're in an organic situation... Uh, which, you know, I'm in a community garden with one foot in an organic garden there. And then at home, I have a very limited square foot garden like you're talking about. And I fill our freezers and it's just my wife and myself. And we're still eating out of our garden from the short season last summer. So if we put a, a startup fertilizer organically, we can use either blood meal, which is getting harder to find. We can use treated uh, sewage compost. We can use composted manures um, under under the, the plants that we're gonna we're gonna grow, whether they're transplanted or seeded. And in an organic situation, um, we're we're gonna go with a uh, a manure tea, 
you know, like a, in a five-gallon bucket, put a gallon of manure and, and fill it up with warm water and let it sit and then strain it off. And, and you're going to be giving additional nutrients in an organic garden like that about once a week, um, whether you're transplanting or seeding. Okay. In, in, the, in the other situation here at home, then, um, I go with a, a balanced fertilizer, something like a 10-10-10 or, you know, similar analysis of nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, equal numbers, a small amount because of the cool, cold soils, having a hard time getting the root system going, whether seeded or transplanted. And then I'll go with that program of some nitrogen about every other week or so with the nutrients in, in the, uh, and the organics we were talking about once a week with tea because they're low analysis with the commercial fertilizer, the nitrogen sources, they're fairly high analysis and I want to use small amounts and not burn the roots, but I go to like every other week because that organic matter will hold those nutrients there for, for the plant. Okay. So let's talk um, about seeds or or live plants at, in beginning your your garden beautiful. for this year. Um, beautiful, Andrew. Where would you like to go with that, John? Andrew, um, depending. Okay, I worked lived in South, you know, in Florida, and now I'm on, in Minnesota. And as the growing season shortens, then I need to. As the shorter the season, the more I will grow at home and transplant out at uh, six to eight weeks of age so I, so that I can get a decent crop before the killing frost, okay? If I were further south in your hearing listening area, you know, we would be probably seeding because we have more time to establish those seeds, okay, in the garden. Up here we use, the further north we get, the more we use transplants, okay? It depends on growth de degree units. and each cool season and hot season plants need different amounts of these heat units, okay? So some things in the north I can plant by seed, like we, like Gwen was saying, her peas, okay? Um, in tomatoes, in Florida, you can start tomatoes from seed, but up here, if you do that, then you won't have a crop. So Andrew and Sarah, I have a bio indicator that might be helpful for new people. For the Midwest, if you use the bloom time of apples, it's a great time to put to plant your bush beans out. When the apple petals fall, it's a great time to plant your pole bean seed and your cuke seed. When the lilacs bloom, you can plant your annual flowers like zinnias and so forth and squashes. Remember, Sarah loves her squashes, right, Andrew? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> if you have lily of the valley flowers in the Midwest, fantastic time to plant your tomato transplants. Okay? When the maple leaves come out, great time to plant your morning glories for ornamentals. And if you have grown sweet potato transplants in a big pot, that's the time you plant those transplants to make a sweet potato crop in Minnesota or in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Again, with our Midwest bioindicator, when irises are blooming, 
then you transplant peppers and eggplants. That soil has to get warm enough so that they can grow and do their thing. Mm -hmm. And then finally, when the peonies bloom, that is the time to put your melons out. Mm. Okay? <laughs> Otherwise, the, these heat-loving heat plants will sit there stunted and really not, not give you the yield they can. Mm -hmm. So many great tips uh, as, as we think about planting our garden. Uh, Linda, do you have any, any insight into uh, seeds or plants or transplanting, any, any of those things? Uh, I generally uh, plant seeds most of the time. I try to uh, buy uh, tomato plants, though, to set out the plants. Um, or green pepper also um, get those in the nursery and set them out. So after the danger of frost is over with. Or otherwise, uh, put it, you can put them, uh, the transplanted uh, vegetables into, uh, put a can or a milk jug around them and that'll protect them for a while. And, and also protects them from all the wind that we get. So they can, and it's warmer in there, so they can get a good start. We have just about a minute left. Gwen, I know that you like to start seeds indoors. Uh, any tips or any thoughts on that you'd like to share with us as we wrap up today? Oh, it's um, really pretty simple. You go buy some peat pots and some seed starter soil and the seeds you want. I put them in a tray cover them with saran wrap and set them in a nice warm sunny spot i don't even have a grow light they sit on my bathtub <laughs> and when they get to you know tall enough to harden them off you take them in and out um, to get them used to being outside take them out in the day bring them in at night till it's warm and then set them out at the schedule that jacques just gave you very good very good mm -hmm. Well, thank you all for your wonderful insights. Hopefully we can have you back um, for maybe the next chapter in gardening this season, <laughs> um, how to maintain our gardens once we've got everything started. Uh, hopefully we can follow up on that in uh, in just a little while and continue our gardening season. Thanks so much for being our guest. Delano and Linda Myers, thank you so much for joining us on the Coffee Hour. You're welcome. Very welcome, Andrew and Sarah. Thank you very much. Thanks, Doc. And Gwen Zagor, thanks so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.